All right, ladies, good evening. This is a Rosh Chodesh Sivan class. I think it's being dedicated in honor for Mrs. Chaim. I'll stop it again. Can we also say my great nephew's name for Fushalema? Yes. To Rafal Chayameir Ben Simachavah, my three year old great nephew, wow. fell in a pool and needs a huge miracle to wake up. Okay, so being that we are in the month of Sivan, and there is a, a theme that most of us heard so many times that you just don't want to hear it again. However, when we hear it with different ears and we understand it on a different level, it's very powerful. So let me first tell you what you don't want to hear or what people like me don't want to hear. I mamash heard this since I'm a bar mitzvah boy every year that what's, what is Shavuos? What happened when Hashem gave the Torah? Or to ask a question, there was no new information given. No new information was given. We knew it all before. <coughs> From God, God told it to Adam, God told it to uh, Noyach, God told it to Avram, God told it to Yitzchak. The matriarchs, they, they had Nevoah. They knew, they knew I am God. They knew everything that God gave in the Aseret Sadeh. So there was like the big event and there was nothing happened in the event because whatever happened, we knew already. That's the big question. And the answer that Hasidus gives <coughs> is that the, the Hasidus quotes a Medrash. The Medrash says that there was once a time in the world that Syria and Rome, that's the Medrash, two cities or two capitals and they had a decree that no Syrian can go to Rome, no Roman can go to Syria. If you're here, you're here. And if you're there, you're there. And that's it. And then came along a time in history where this barrier was broken. And even if you are in one place, you are allowed to go to the other place. If you were from Rome, you can go to Syria. And, and Hasidah says that prior to the giving of the Torah, so there's heaven and there's earth, there's Ruchnius and there's Gashmius, but there was a barrier. Either you're here or you're there. What happened when God gave the Torah? Not the information, the fact that God came. The fact that God revealed himself on earth the barrier was broken, and not only is God able to come down, but we are able to go up. Now we are able to go up. I'm saying words over here that for many of us, especially in the guys' yeshiva system, we hear this again and again and again, and then the Bachim come to shul every Shavuos um, for Talucha, and they say the same drasha, and then the next year they say the same drasha, and it looks like we're learning, we're running out of material. But we're not running out of material. What we have to start doing is take everything that we learned and instead of applying it out there, we have to apply it in here. <coughs> so this is what we're going to do. This is the exercise for tonight. It's a very simple exercise. You're going to draw on this piece of paper a line. Let me show you what I'm doing. That's all you're going to do. You have a line, and there's a gap in between the lines. So you have the higher part of the line and the lower part of the line. You guys got it over there? This is going to change your life. This is very important. Sounds promising. I'm excited to hear Now, the, the higher part of the line is your heaven, your neshama, the ruchni is within the person. 
the higher part of the line, the high is the heaven. You're the heaven within you, the Shamayim within you. You're Neshama. Now your Neshama thinks certain ways, your Neshama understands certain things, and your Neshama feels for certain things. Now, we don't have enough time in the 20 minutes to do it now, but take this home with you. This is going to really help you. And you're going to write down on the top line everything that you know is coming from your Neshama. Certain people, if they were lucky, they had in the past very beautiful Ruchnistic experiences. So when they think about spiritual, I'm sure that when what you're thinking, what I'm thinking might not be the same, but it is going to be the same. So you should identify every, this is what we're looking for, emuna, bitachen, ideas, ways of thinking, and feelings that you know is coming from your inner neshama. And you're going to put it down, and the list is going to grow. And mind you, the line, I wrote it dafka vertical, because there are many layers. You have... In your neshama itself, there are higher parts of your neshama, which means that what's coming from the higher part of your neshama, you be you will be aware of it less, because the higher it is, the harder it is to access it. The lower parts of the neshama are, are closer to us, and Hashem made all of us with this break. And then we have the animal soul or our dark side. And it's important in private, not in public, to write down over here everything that you think you have within you, ideas and feelings that is coming from the lower part of the person. And this also has a higher part and a lower part. Hashem made us, that's the whole pshat, that there was a barrier between the heaven and the earth. This barrier, we are born with that. What happens? So, you know, we learned this in Tanya just without this uh, exercise, but this is a very good exercise. Let me tell you what happens to all of us. Being that there's a lot of conflict, the conflict is not between this and this. You have to see this. Here, they're more or less almost on the same page. But there's a lot of conflict between here and here. Real conflict. Inner conflict. It's very difficult to live. Imagine if you're living in a home where there's fighting. It's very traumatizing. And imagine if it's real, real machloikas, a real fight. We don't know how to deal with it. We were not meant to live in that environment. So how do we deal with this dialogue? All of us, by birth, separate. I'm either here, and when I'm here, I don't even see this. I don't. And when I'm here, I don't see that. You resolve the diet. You resolved it. I'm a chayam. That's all of us. And that's why all of us can have moments of, wow, we're mamash in the heavens, we have a Yom Kippur, and we feel very holy, and we are very holy. And lo and behold, whether it's 10 minutes later or 10 weeks later, it didn't have any effect on us. Why did it not have an effect on us? Because you know what I took with me to Shul on Yom Kippur? Only this. Great. He, this, this, this one had a great Yom Kippur. This one I didn't even allow in the Shul because it bothers me. And then, because of the gap, here's the challenge. Because of the gap, whenever I decide to move down here, this has no power over it. Because they're not communicating. Because it's either or. So when we learn in Hasidus that what happened on Shavuos, why are we celebrating Shavuos? That God took away the barrier from heaven and earth. 
And we learned it correctly that in the beginning of our history, 3,000 years ago, the barrier was out there in the world and that needed to be removed, but that was removed already. In other words, the, the, the fact that you can have a physical item that's holy prior to the Torah being given, if it was physical, it was not holy. It wasn't bad, it just it wasn't holy. If it was holy, it was spiritual. No, God says it can be physical and holy. You can have a mezuzah, you can have a Jewish home, it's physical and holy. That we got already. We have to move this to inside of us. We have to bridge this gap. We have to connect it. When you do this, Mashiach came to you. Mamish. What does this mean? This means like this. That whenever you are living here, at the time that you are here, you have to ask yourself, what is this one saying? Not to lower yourself. To be aware of it. And mind you, some people... When they bridge the gap, decide that they cannot live here. It's not virtuous to live here if you have to let this go. Because this will never leave you. You're just ignoring it right now. Is that what's going on over here? So when you, when you are in your spiritual place, you say, okay, I'm, I'm also a physical person. Like, am I the type of person that can live in Koilo the whole week? My neshama maybe, but a person has the right to say, this part of me says it's too much. There's a dialogue. Not to break the rules of the neshama, but there's a conversation. And when a person is down here, we have to have the discipline to stop for a second to say, okay, fine. What is my neshama telling me right now? People don't do that. It's an inner dialogue that people have to begin to make. It's very simple. You just have to do it. And there's a dialogue. And what, what ends up happening is, is that unless a person is a tzaddik, as defined in Tanya, in which you lose the animal soul, but that's, the Alter Rebbe writes that we were not meant to be that. Very few people have a unique mission to be tzaddikim. We were dafka not meant to be tzaddikim. We have to have the heaven and the earth. And what happens is, is that, that taka does not allow us to fly to the highest heavens, and we're not meant to fly in the highest heavens while we're living. We have plenty of time for that in Gan Eden, but it allows us not to fall all the way down over here. Because this tells us atkan. I can tolerate this, I can tolerate this. Uh, here, they're too much. The closing of the gap is Mashiach. Mamash. Now, to bring it a little bit to the parish, which is also beautiful. And this week we read Birchas Kahana. Many people are familiar with Birchas Kahana, it's a big deal. Because of the setup we have in Chabad Sola, we, Chabad people, we get Birchus Kahanim every week. If you want, if you come to Shul, we always move into the Sephardic tent and the Sephardim do Birchus Kahanim, and it's a big thing. It's a big thing. The Alter Rebbe said that if I would have the power, I would institute Birchus Kahanim every Shabbos. So the Alter Rebbe's wish came true to, to us, correctly so, because it's the Sephardic Shul, but it's a big thing. Here is the way the Alter Rebbe explains Birchaz Kahanim, and it's all connected to my line over here. There are three blessings in Birchaz Kahanim. The first one is, people are familiar, right? Yivarechacha Hashem v'yishmerecha. Yivarechacha Hashem says, that, says Rashi, and all the commentators really say the same thing by Birchaz Kahanim. The first blessing is a blessing for the material. And everything that is in the material has to be guarded, guarded. You should know physical blessings don't necessarily last forever. I can tell you a beautiful story. My grandfather, 
who was sent by the previous Rebbe to Brazil in 1934, out of yeshiva, he paid money to be a shoychat. In, in Poland, you would pay to have the rights to be a shoychat in a certain area, and no one else had the right to compete. It was like a communal thing, so you paid to the community money, and then you were the only shoychat. It was in some suburb of Warsaw, which was a nice, big metropolitan city before, for Yidden, it was a good place to live before the war. He already paid, or his parents paid the money. He went into the previous Rebbe to get a bracha. The Friedrich Rebbe was getting letters from two and a half families in Rio that they don't have kosher food. There was, there was, there was very few, a handful of people. So the Rebbe told my grandfather, this is Ruach HaKodesh. He didn't tell it to other people. He told it to him that Poland is no longer a place for Jews. Halavai, he would have told it to other people, but I'm lucky he told it to my family. And he told him that there was a need to have shechita in Brazil, in, in Rio, go to Rio. No, no, he went to his father, who was not a Lubavitcher chassid, who paid the money to be a shaykhet, quoting that the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that, imagine Poland, Poland was the most Jewish place to be. Poland was like Borough Park. That Poland is not a place for Jews. Rio de Janeiro, sure, 1934, that's a place for Jews. <laughs> So the, his father told him, I don't allow you to go. That was also a Jewish minic. Then your kids can be married, but the parents have to tell you what you are allowed or not allowed. That's the way it worked. You're not allowed to go. His wife's parents, none of them were Chabad Hasidim. Also from another Hasidic group says, if your Rebbe says to go, we're going to pay for you to go. That's also with Mechotanim. It's such a good dynamic. They were not fighting. <laughs> Each one was self-righteous. And they paid. My father was born already, so they bought him four boat tickets. And they fought, they fought until they were burned together. It means what happened in their city in Pachanov is that when the Nazis came in there, they came here so quick and they made up and there was a witness that saw them embraced. It means they were fighting for six years, they didn't talk to each other. Oh, wow. And they made up, they made peace, and they made peace, and they made peace, and they went to Ganadim. And they were happy that the, the, that, that part of the family, the only Zionists from that area that survived was my Zayda. Amazing. Oh, wow. Now one second. He moves, he moves to Brazil. First of all, he never practiced shkita. He learned shkita. He hated blood. So there's the theory, but it wasn't a big problem because it was there was like two, three families keeping kosher. But there's no money. You, you, there's no parnasah from shkita. So they never told him to open up a textile factory. It was a different type of shlicha. So he had a business, and then he shechted for free. If you wanted to be kosher, then they bought the chicken, they brought it to the house, and you shechted. Then there was another shaykh that moved into Rio. By then, our Rebbe became a Rebbe. So he wrote to the Rebbe that there's another Shaykhet. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. He says he faints sometimes. So the Rebbe told him if there's a Shaykhet in Rio and there's no Shaykhet in Sao Paulo, he should move to Sao Paulo. Never. And he should open up and continue with the Shmata business. And, and, and the Rebbe wrote him a letter. See, this is what I'm trying to... And the Rebbe wrote to him that as long as you will not lose this letter, you will become wealthy. Mamish. So he knew when he got the letter that he's going to lose it. Because the Rebbe told him, as long as you will not lose this letter, that's the way he thought and that's what happened. Whether, whether it's uh, however he thought. It's a whole different type of person. And he became very wealthy and then he, he had a very comfortable life. But I'm saying that bracha of wealth doesn't necessarily stay forever. It does not necessarily stay forever. And that's why Yivarechacha Hashem, the first blessing is physical blessings and you should guard it. Because it, it, you won't necessarily have it for all, all, always. And that's exactly what I'm referring to over here. The blessing, Begashmias, is when we keep this connection. And this is something that we always have to make. Because if you don't make this effort, 
then we split in sight. We go back to the our natural state of being split. And when you're split, it's very convenient because first of all, when you're holy, you're having the most holy experience. And when you're not holy, you're having the most unholy. It's perfect. Problem is, that's the pro- problem is that down here things are not good. And this and this is not that difficult. You just have to when you're here, you have to hear what is this guy saying. And when you're here, what that's a, that's a avoid. It's a daily avoid to bridge the gap. When the gap is bridged, there's a lot of blessing down here. Down here, this is always blessed. This is always enlightened. This is where it's dark. When we bridge this gap, we bring a bracha here. When we don't bridge this gap, the bracha only remains here. There's no bracha down here. Which is why generally very holy people are poor. <laughs> why are tzaddikim? Why do? Because because they didn't bridge the gap. They deal with life. They don't see this. Mamish, you know, I heard a gavaldik word. This is a good word. Listen, you heard this, right? Uh, hopefully. Yitzchak was blind, right? That's how they got him. That's how he blessed Yaakov. Who knows why Yitzchak was blind? From the Kedah. The, What's the, the other opinion? Crying. Uh, uh. The Malachim were crying. That's one opinion. Then Rashi writes the other opinion. The smoke. Uh-oh. Yeah. So Rashi writes that, that Esau's wives were offering incense to, uh, to idols. And the smoke went into his eyes and he became blind. I have a very simple question. If the smoke of idols makes you blind, why wasn't the ace of wives blind? Because <laughs> well, he didn't uh, tell her to stop. Huh? Because he didn't tell her to stop. She also didn't tell her to stop. She herself did it. Why? If no. Okay, okay, fine. So listen to a Gavaldi Kavart. Let me tell you a story of Bob Dylan. Story with Bob Dylan. It's a great story. But, you know, Bob Dylan came to the Rebbe. Bob Dylan, for people that don't know, I don't know, I'm not an American, but people told me that Bob Dylan is like a big American icon. He's like a big deal. He had, he had a big impact on the world. You're laughing. He's a person. And he <laughs> and he went to the Rebbe. And when he came to the Rebbe, he heard about him from Rabbi Manus Friedman, got him to come to Crown Heights. And he comes into a Fabrengen. And the Rebbe guys by Fabrengens, during the singing, he would look around and he would nod with his head to acknowledge you. You would have a little cup up and you would hold it up and he would, and he would say l'chaim, say l'chaim. And the Rebbe was ignoring him, he ignored him. One week, another week, and the Rebbe was asking Rabbi Groner after the Fabrengen because they told him that Bob Dylan is Dylan Givenda. And Groner says, yeah. The Rebbe didn't see him. After the third week, he was broken. It was, some, it was something going on. And he's walking on Kingston Avenue and Rabbi Manus Friedman comes up to him and, and he saw him and he says, why are you? He says, the third Fabrengen, the Rebbe is ignoring me. He's looking. So Manus Friedman knew that in the 70s, part of his journey was he converted out. God forbid. He became a, a Christian and he practiced it for a while. And then he had enough of that and he moved back to Yiddishkeit. And you should know that halachically, if a person shmad, if a person shmads, they have to do mikvah. It's almost like a, a conversion. So Manus told me, we're going to make a based in and you're going to go to a mikvah and you're going to take upon yourself to be a good Jew. And he did that and he came to 770 from Mincha and he was waiting for the Rebbe to go out. The Rebbe walked out, the Rebbe stopped, the Rebbe looked at him and the Rebbe made a big smile and motion to his hands to encourage him. The Rebbe did not see him when he was connected to something unholy. Say another nice story. 
when the Rebbe came out with the Mifsa to put on Tefillin before the Six-Day War, the Rebbe says that this is the way to go forward. There's a there's a passage that says that when the nations of the world are going to see that God's name is written on you, they'll be afraid of you. And the sages tell us that refers to Tefillin. That means when Jews wear Tefillin, the Goyim have fear from us. So people began, this is a, until now it's beautiful, we got used to it, but in, in 1967, you had, during the lunch break, you had a few hundred Bachim, they went to Tel Aviv, they put tables on the streets, on the sidewalks, and there were hundreds of people putting on film. So there was a Bachar standing there for an hour, putting on film, putting on film, putting on film, when a religious guy comes over to him and he tells him, well, how, what are you doing? So he says, listen, I'm a Lubavitcher chassid. The Rebbe says that we have to encourage our fellow Jews to put on tefillin. The guy says, I think this is beautiful. But how can you put on tefillin here? He pointed up, there was a billboard that was not modest. How can you do it right here? He looks up and he says, you're right. I'm going to move my table. But when he's moving his table, I know this guy. He looks to this guy and he says, you know, it's funny. I'm here for two hours. I didn't see it. You came here for one minute and you noticed it already. Yitzchak What's that blind? It didn't blind him. Yitzchak had no lower part. Yitzchak was a tzaddik. So if in the environment was filled with this, he, Pasha, didn't see it. He didn't see it. Not that it blinded him. And we are that way. When we are living in this world, we don't see this within ourselves. How many people think like kindness comes from here? Cruelty comes from here. Many people know themselves to be kind, which they are when they're here. But they don't acknowledge that they're also cruel. And then mitamol, they can be the cruelest person in the world. They won't even see it because there's a disconnect. Everyone has this. Depends to what degree. Sometimes it's shocking. The bigger the disconnect, the more dual personality we'll have. This is the avoidance. When we make this connection, we take this and we bring it down. We bring the heaven down to earth. And that mamash brings baruchas begashmas. When we make this gap, it doesn't allow us to fly in the heavens because this part of us tells us you're getting too holy for me. Which is good. We have to be balanced. We have to be here and we have to be here. The Torah was given here. The Torah was not given here. The Torah was given here. But when we bridge this gap, we bring the heaven down to earth. And as long as we keep on doing it, we maintain the baruchas that God gives us here will stay with us forever. Amen. Finalize that the second bracha, which is Yo'er, is all about this. Is that, is, is that, no, just for this. The holy should become more, but you have to do this first, because then you end up elevating everything. The second bracha is enlightenment, which is Ruchnius, because we want, we want for this to get developed. I'm so sorry. Sure. Can you can you start again? So the first the, the first blessing yeah. is about bridging the gap in order to bring the holy down to earth. Oh, I wrote that. Okay. And, and that's something that's need guarding. You have to guard it. You have to do every day. The second blessing is all about God should give our soul a lot more power. That's mamash what it means. Ruchnius. Once you have a neshama, you should get a bigger neshama. Now, when the second bracha doesn't affect the lower world, because it's just about this. The third blessing, the way the Alter Rebbe explains this, is that if you're very lucky, by becoming more empowered here, you automatically elevate this without effort. That's the peace. Because then you don't even have to, it, 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 this, this bridging becomes natural. You don't have to make a void. 
The third bracha is, is that you should be so powerful here, the light here should be so big, that automatically this becomes fixed, without effort. This is all Mashiach. But the first step is the most important step. And that's something that everyone should just be aware of. Whenever you're here, ask yourself, what's going on over here? Whenever you're here, you have to have the discipline to say, okay, I know what you want is, but what do you want? And you'll, you'll be shocked at what will happen. This is a beginning. This is a journey. And then it makes sense that there could be shalom because then you're integrated. Oh, yeah. And then you have that inner peace. Sure got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the peace. Because tzaddikim don't live in this world. They're not poor spiritually. They're poor earthly because they disconnected from here. <coughs> Their enrichment is here. They live here. And we are meant to live here and to live here. We're not meant to live here only. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, exactly. So when you hear this word, that the, the, the Matan Torah was to bring the heaven down to earth. It wasn't just in the world. It's within me. I have this koyach to bridge this gap. This is where everyone gets healed. This is the secret. This is Moshiach. All right.